Hello and welcome to Poco Ponders. I'm your host, Sarah Poco, and we are officially in the spookiest month of the year. Now, those who know me know that I am a lover of all things scary and creepy. So this October, I shall be doing Halloween-themed episodes and also hitting the streets of Halifax to gather some of your eerie ghost stories. I decided to start off this Spooktober special with a classic, witches. Now, when we think of witches, we think of an old, unattractive woman, sometimes green-skinned, with a pointy hat a cauldron and a broomstick maybe a black cat or two um their description borders on comical nowadays however their history is a bit more sad and tragic with some of the most famous cases stemming from the same from the salem witch trials in the 17th century now the witch trials um or rather witch trials in general still happen in some form around the world uh for example in my home country nigeria i remember we would have um deliverance services in church where someone would confess to being a witch and the pastor would try to, quote, drive out the demon through aggressive prayer um, where they grab them and basically lay their hands on them or a Bible on them. Or in extreme cases, they would literally beat the demon out of them with whips, belts, uh, and whatever else they can find. Now, this is rampant in areas where mental illnesses are not taken seriously and mental health services are basically non-existent. That being said, this hasn't stopped the practice of witchcraft or our fascination with witches. So we see them in stories, television, Halloween stores, and in real life, um, we have the neighborhood witch on Queen Street here in Halifax. Uh, but I wanted to explore how have witches evolved from being devilish beings to Halloween must-haves. So our guest today is the owner of Mystic Readers in Truro, and she was actually in a Poco Ponders Tarot episode. Please welcome Beth Terry. Welcome back. Hi, Sarah. It's great to be here. Hi. Hi. Okay. So uh, we, we already know who you are, but once again, could you just like uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, as you said, my name is Beth Terry. I have been reading tarot for a really long time. I got my first tarot deck when I was about 17. Um, and I guess a precursor to that is that I was originally raised in an incredibly religious household. Um, and as I became a little bit older and started to investigate what was important to me, I stumbled upon tarot and it made a lot of sense to me. I was also fascinated with uh, the history and the mythology behind it. And actually my background is in classical history, um, which I got through St. Mary's. Um, and I found that the two are interconnected quite a bit. The history of, of witches and mythology and polytheism, uh, it, it's all interwoven together. And uh, I think that's why I was drawn into becoming a tarot reader. Or well, I started innocently for myself and then started to do it for others. And it kind of snowballed from there. Uh, so uh, since I've moved to Truro and since they've opened the shop Calling Corners here in our location, I've uh, been offering readings to people within the area. I also do open the phone readings for people across the country. And I also do a number of workshops and lectures on everything from um, early Greek mythology and the roles primarily of women uh, that women have played throughout history as witches, fortune tellers, um, as mystics and, and the like. <laughs> That's really cool. So can you give us a, a brief history of, uh, hitch of witches in general? Okay, so I guess the Coles Notes version, because <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a massive history. Uh, the one of the first official witches uh, that we know of was actually the goddess Hecate, and she was the goddess of magic and astrology. So in early Greek times, there were uh, these these. Um, places for well they go to worship and there would be women who would be priestesses for hecate they would be um diviners or or mystics and people would come to them looking for information primarily what happened or the theme of which was essentially a woman who uh was usually really good at healing or knew how to uh, calm a baby knew how to fix a wound knew how to um do therapy <laughs> and help with strife in, in a relationship within a family or between neighbors. They were a mediator. Um, throughout time, you'd have um, political figures going to um, 
going for advice, looking for ad advisement on what to do with regards to war, who they had close to them, they would always go to a mystic. And uh, nine times out of 10, or for the for majority of, of the history, it was women who held those roles. And it was only until Christianity um, became the primary religious focus of of, of the globe, that women were pushed out of that role. When women were given a negative connotation, they were called, at that point then they were called witches and uh, it became, it started to spiral and quite dangerously for women who saw themselves as healers and as helpers. It just kind of rolled right through Europe and, and then the States and into Canada with witch hunts. And uh, mm. it quite a scary time for women uh, who, who did anything to slightly uh, piss off <laughs> a neighbor. It could be as simple as <laughs> they didn't like what you did, they didn't like what you said, they didn't like what you wore, and you could be accused of a witch. Oh, wow. So if if I left my lawnmower on your lawn, you could say I'm a witch and I would be tried, basically. Absolutely. Especially, especially if the dandelions were growing and I didn't have dandelions before and you had left your things oh. on my garden. Well, then that must have been because you put a curse on my lawn. And so there's my proof that you are a witch. It could be as bizarre or like the simplicity of what they could um, accuse a woman of being a witch was it was very little to to actually convict anybody. And now in saying that men were also convicted of, of being involved with witchcraft. But the majority of the people who were convicted or accused uh, were women, and a lot of it had to do with control. And uh, it was often the men who were supporters of those women or spoke out against the witch hunt or may have even been homosexual. Um, that was a, enough of a tool to be used uh, to accuse them of witchcraft or to be involved with it, to be in league with the devil, uh, for them to also be imprisoned or executed. Huh. Well, dandelions. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh there's, there's something. Uh, there are many, many uh, accounts uh, of things where um, uh, one woman was convicted. This is back in the 1600s. She was mm -hmm. convicted of being a witch, and they drowned her. And then after she was drowned, they burned her body at the stake. Um, but the reason they did that is because they thought that she was smarter than her neighbors. And they thought that was very suspicious. So because she was quicker to pick up on things or she had the ability to read, um, they thought she must uh, be magic. She must have been in league with the devil. So it, it really took nothing for someone to be accused of witchcraft during the height of the witch hunt. Uh, everyone was just wrapped up in this hysteria of trying to place blame for anything on other people. Um, for those who were highly educated, they used it as a tactic and tool to get people out of their way. But for those who were less educated or easily got caught up in the what we would now consider our social media, the CNN news, the all the, the um, these experts that, that spout things without any real knowledge and people who get caught up in that that's what was happening back then as well oh well i saw her scratch her nose in a funny way and then i tripped up she must have been putting a spell on me so it's it really didn't take very much for someone to to sling a, an accusation so it sounds like a lot of these things were like coincidence based in a way oh completely completely coincidence based um it created a tremendous amount of fear in communities as, as tiny communities because at least in bigger spaces or bigger places you could hide in the crowd but if you were in a in a town of 200 people uh, all eyes were on you if you were female and if you missed church because I don't know, you were sick or one of your children were sick, you could be accused of being a witch because those who were in league with the devil couldn't step through the doors of the church. Um, if you had left your laundry hanging out for too long and your neighbor didn't like that, they could accuse you of being a witch. It, re it really was on an absolute whim and it had to do with, a lot of it had to do with control. People wanting, uh, just, I don't like that person, so I'm, I'm going to make them suffer. Or uh, men who were looking for a position of power 
And uh, would, when women started to, to do more with um, entrepreneurship, and that's, this is where our symbols that we see for witches, like the pointy hat and the broom and the cat, that's when we start to see those, uh, those symbol symbologies kind of move in uh, to, the, to the narrative. Wow. Well, that's, that's, I mean, I've heard of petty people, but that's a, a whole different level of petty. Like, yeah, she left her clothes out too long. I don't like that. She's a witch. Wow. Okay. No. <laughs> people were insane. Um, okay. So what about witches in Canada? Like, could you give us a, a little bit of, uh, of how that kind of differs from, you know, the Salem witch trials that, that happened in the U.S.? Absolutely. Well, in 1660, uh, in what was New France, now is Quebec, and there was a settlement there of about 3,200 people. And this is three, oh, uh, about 30 years, three decades before the Salem witch trials. Mm -hmm. And they moved into an area um, that they, they were actually often under attack, or there was a lot of strife between them and the Iroquois uh, who lived in the area. And between the rumors and the stories that they had brought over, the superstitions that they brought over from Europe and, and from France about uh, witches and them flying on brooms and how um, what to watch for. So if a, if a woman had a birth mark that was the sign of, of the devil uh, that they were in league with the devil or if they um, happened to have a, um, a blemish on their face or they were so there was a lot of things that really set people off along with the mythologies and beliefs of the Iroquois who had um, a story or mythology about the flying canoe and so they they saw these similarities between two originally untouched or, or communities that were not in contact and then believed that this was confirmation of of black magic or witchcraft and a lot of it was misunderstanding due to uh, cultural differences or or language barriers um so between feeling under attack from from these outside um, tribes and, and communities um the attack on women in general there was a lot of hysteria and fear that happened and a number of witch trials uh, that happened in quebec looking for witches now, fortunately, um, I, and I don't know if it's just the general theme of those who came to Canada and kind of what we carry through with us today as being known as the nice guys, um, but we didn't execute our witches. <laughs> Instead, we <laughs> exiled them and wished them the best as they tried to make their way out in the woods, um, <laughs> which I don't know what, it, what actually would have been worse to be actually put to death or to have to figure out how to survive or or die alone in the forest um, but we didn't actually execute our witches in Canada it was mm -hmm. more of a um, imprisonment or a banishment from the community and uh, at it was shortly after that probably into the 17 1800s that Canada actually put something in place um, within their their system of law saying that uh, you can't unjustly accuse a woman of witchcraft just because you feel like it and that the accuser if, if they were falsely accusing someone could actually be charged and put to jail so it did start to quell mm. um the hysteria which we did see continue on in the states and it was 30 years after all of this that the salem witch trials happened where 20 people were killed six of which were men multiple people died in prison waiting for trial um so it's it's something that it, it snowballed and it just it spread like a virus across the planet and it and it came over from Europe with with the settlers in Canada and the states. That's interesting. So is this what you meant when you said we, we were kinder with our witches? Is this we were, what you meant? Yeah, we didn't like burn them at the stake. We just <laughs> sent them out into the woods and let them figure out if they could survive or not. So oh is that a kindness? I, I don't know, but it's it's. At least, I guess, the way that those who were the accusers, they felt like the blood of the witches or those that were accused weren't on their hands because they didn't do the killing themselves. Mm. They left them to fly in the elements or to to build a little hut or, and, and survive as the witch in the woods. <laughs> 
Ah, I see. I see. Okay. So, um, you mentioned like a few things like back in the day that people might, you know, see and they're like, oh my God, they're a witch. Uh, I was also reading like, you know, sometimes it could be like a, a boil or a mole in, in a certain area or, you know, they're, they're fidgeting in, in a way and they'll be considered a witch. So I, I kind of wanted to ask like, what attributes did they say? Like, yes, definitely evidence that this is a witch. Uh, birthmarks were a big one. If, hmm. if a child was born with a birthmark, uh, the mother would often be blamed that the, the mother had made a promise to the devil that when they had a child, they would um, give or donate that child to the devil's work. And so if hmm. a child was born with a, a birthmark or um, if a woman herself had a birthmark, and it could be something as simple as a freckle on your finger um, or a, a mole on your neck, uh, a skin tag, <laughs> which as you get older, everyone starts to develop. And this is why we associate old haggard women with witches, because these would be signs of aging and natural aging um, that would be used as a reason to accuse women of, of witchcraft. Other things that we didn't know about at the time, like uh, maybe Tourette's or epilepsy, things, things like that, that were out of the person's control. Um, would be seen as a sign of possession as well, which they couldn't, weren't able to prevent. And we didn't have med medication, the modern medication that we have now to be mm -hmm. able to help with those, those issues. Um, other things like cancer, which again, we didn't know a lot about back then, but if someone was not well and would pass away quite quickly, um, which could happen with cancer, you could walk around with cancer for the longest time, it could take over and within a week you could be dead quick downturns of, of illness in someone within the community would be blamed on uh, whatever woman may have had contact with them within the time leading up to their death as a sign of cursing or witchcraft as opposed to it being an internal illness. So those are things that have kind of lacked as we've become more educated scientifically with, with med medicine and, and ailments, but things like that were, were always used or often I should say used uh, as evidence against witches. Interesting. And um, going back to what you said about, you know, sometimes men were accused of witchcraft, or, but it was mostly women. I also read that some, some animals were also considered witches. Is that true? Yes. So actually during the Salem witch trials, two dogs were executed because they were believed to be possessed by demons. Um, and these were dogs that would have been owned by some of the, the witches that or the, the accused uh, in the trials. And so they believed that these animals were known as or were the familiars of these witches. Normally it's cats, frogs, snakes, um, Cats were the most common place because you'd have a cat. If you had a farm or you had a, a house, most people had cats because it kept the mice and they kept the rats away. Um, mm. So they would associate um, the animal with the witch as the, the animal doing the bidding for the witch. And they killed horses, they killed cats, they killed dogs, believing that they were possessed with, with the devil. And it might be because they barked at something in the woods that people couldn't see. Um, they thought the animal was the only one who could see it. Therefore, they um, ah. had the power. And I mean, the cats and dogs do that all the time. They stare at stuff. It creeps you out. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it, you know, we, we understand it a bit more now, or we don't put as much weight on it as, as they did back then. But there was high paranoia at the time. Yeah, it sounds like a, a lot of paranoid people running around. Um, do, you, do you consider yourself a witch? Uh, yeah, I would definitely use that title for myself. Uh, the term of which has definitely evolved. And what we've seen in the 20th, 21st century is that the word has been reclaimed uh, as a, a term of empowerment as opposed to a term of fear. And uh, I think that's really important. It's actually become the new feminist word because the word feminist has been used as a dirty term and it's been used um, to shame women or to put them in a box of oh well she's a feminist so she's angry and she's crazy and she's a man hater and um, so women have naturally been pulling away from that term because of the negative connotations that have been thrown on it especially since the Trump era um, 
but the term witch feels empowering. There's something strong about it. And it's about reclaiming that power. I don't need things from you. I don't need your power because I have my own power. And mm -hmm. it grows from there, um, which I, I love. <laughs> it's <been> incredibly liberating. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, um, you know, you, you had mentioned how, how I say you like a, a, a lot of these people that were accused, um, they were old and this was kind of used as a way to kind of like denounce them for like something as natural as aging. So like, would, this is just a random question. Would the witch trials then be considered ageist or, or, or was it just like a, just a mass ageism that was happening and they just wanted to get rid of them? Well, it was a combination because there were mm. a number of older people who were accused. But if you were young and beautiful and maybe too beautiful, you were also accused. You were luring the men to look at you. You were possibly attempting to steal other women's husbands just by being who you were. So it didn't necessarily focus purely on ageism, but it certainly didn't help if you were older and a woman and started to be pre beauty creams, <laughs> start to get <laughs> spots, liver spots, um, or, or, or moles or things like that, that would normally happen in progression. But again, if you were pretty or smart, clever, were good at healing, um, and spoke up if you were also an outspoken woman, because um, no proper Christian woman would ever speak up. Um, if so, if you did that, there was clearly something wrong with you, and usually because you were empowered by Satan. And that, well, that was the thought. Yeah. You can't win. Oh my goodness. Like right now, if we were, um, if we were back, both of us would be on trial. Um, because here you are running your own show and here I am talking about things that no woman should ever speak of. So <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> it's you know, treacherous what we're doing right now. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I've always wanted to travel back in time and I think of like interesting moments in time and I'm like, um, either one, it wouldn't work because I'm a woman or because I'm black, uh, or both. So I'm like, mm, maybe not. Absolutely. And that was another big component of, of witch hunt. Um, it was bad enough being a woman, but it was twice as bad if you were a woman of color. And a mm. lot of the beautiful and rich cultures that come from the Caribbean and from Africa and, and, and from our indigenous community, these beliefs and cultures and rituals were looked at as dark magic, black magic, and therefore evil. Even the idea of white magic and black magic is inherently racist, that white is good and black is bad. It's, um, it's infuriating, actually, to, to look at it and see how even now with those terms that are being used in modern day times, they are inherently racist and biased against uh, wonderful cultural experiences and cultural connections that, that people would have. And then you find that there are communities of people who have been forced to deny their culture or are afraid to reconnect with their culture due to the fear of being associated with something negative, dark or evil. And it's, uh, it's been, again, a way to control a group of people um, from, from the perspective of, of of the Christian church or, and then the ideas of Christian church, because even people who will say, well, I'm not involved in the church still have those ideologies in mind because that's how they were raised and their grandparents were raised and the grandparents of the grandparents were raised. And so, mm. so on and so forth. And then, and it's also interesting how you mentioned that, you know, even those that were educated, they used um, witch trials as a way to like kind of get rid of someone. So it, it's, it's a very how will I say? It's a very telling way of like how conniving people could be back in the day. Absolutely. And a great example of that actually is uh, it goes back to that, the story of like getting to the witch hat and the cat and the broom. Um, these were actually originally symbols in the 1500s for beer brewers. And from the beginning of time, like way back from Egypt through the Vikings and, and all the way through, the role of brewing beer was a woman's job. It was looked at as something that they did while men were out hunting, fighting, killing, building, whatever 
men did back then. And <laughs> women brewed beer along with cooking, baking bread, um, tending to the animals. And as places started to become bigger, especially in Europe, so in places like London and Paris and, and these other bigger communities, there would be marketplaces. And women, entrepreneurial women, would start to take their beer brew and go to the market. And often it was made and boiled and, and created in large pots known as cauldrons. And uh, on average, women tend to be shorter. And if you have a large crowd, the best way to be seen is to wear something that makes you taller, hence the pointy hat. So brewers would start wearing pointy hats to let people know if you were looking around the market, where can I find a glass of beer? Ah, there's a hat. I'm going to go over there and get get a mug of beer. Um, then when places became established and they started opening up their own pubs or parlors, um, the sign outside would often have a hat on it. Uh, it might have a cat showing that they have a cat on premises to keep mice away from the grains, um, which was a sign of we're clean or also a sign of a broom on their on their hanging sign outside the door but it was it was an indication of we run a clean establishment and um, so often there would be cats in these in these marketplaces or in these uh, brew houses to keep mice out, out of the the grains to keep them away from the feet of people because rodents um spread disease and they wanted people to know this is a safe and clean place to come but mm -hmm. then what you found that it is that the men who were brewing um, got to kind of jumped on this train of, of witches and witchcraft and what we can accuse women of. And if it was a way to knock their competition out. So if I'm not doing well, but this woman is doing better, um, I can accuse her of being a witch. And she has the cat who is her familiar that's doing her bidding. She's using her, her beer to brew potions and enchanting people to come to her. She has them under her spell. And this is where the connection of the pointy hat, the broom, and the cat was associated with the witch. That's so interesting. I mean, I guess a good beer could definitely be considered an enchantment on a Friday night. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, like, <laughs> but I was taking it way too far. What the heck? Yeah. And that's where this idea of potions and cauldrons also came in that uh, they're brewing and bubbling and mixing, but it really came from a practical place and brewers um, were, and there were women who did it with their husbands, but often it was unmarried young women who were looking to, um, create a path for themselves. These might be women who whose families had passed away, who didn't have, and they didn't have a husband. So they needed some form of, of income or they were widowers. So these were older women who had spent mm -hmm. their life with their husband, raising their family, taking care of the home and now need an income. So they weren't living on the streets. So again, this associate of the really young or the really old um, associated with um, the image of the witch interesting um sometimes i see witches depicted with green skin like w w what's that about oh uh, it was again this idea of being undead um satan ah. evil and then as people would die of course you turn blue and gray and green and um it was really that's something that really came came about with the wizard of oz and then um painting her face green in that and of course there had been discussions and stories about uh, witches having gray skin or a pale pallor, um, but the green really took hold when The Wizard of Oz was written, and it, it rolled from there because it, again, made them look scarier, and this uh, not being human, and um, also that association with um, snakes and frogs and toads and these things that slither and are unclean or live in the dirt and the bog. And so it was a, an easy correlation when making those connections that we were, we <laughs> witches um, were of that otherworldly kind of part creature, not really human. Um, but it's, it's not, it's amazing because women or, or witches, men or women, um, are a variety of colors uh, and and ethnicities, none of which are green. So, <laughs> oh, that's true. 
<laughs> All right. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the history of witches and, you know, the, the depiction of witches. So how have they evolved over time? Oh, well, it's um, in a couple of ways. Uh, the, the term witch has now become more empowering and endearing. We now see it as a Halloween costume. Um, or the stereotype of something spooky, um, but the same type of witch hunt of the witch is not done in the same way generally. I mean, there are still there are still countries and communities that look at any type of work outside of Christianity as evil, and it is an easy title to put on somebody. What it has evolved through, actually, is from the term witch um, to feminist, as a dirty word, and also words of negative connotation for women, uh, like slut or whore. It, the same control or um, trying to diminish the power or the position of a woman through a negative title. So the theme or the use of that power has not changed, but the word has. Because if someone we're talking to you and called you a witch, you'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. But if they called you a more derogatory name, it stops us. Even if we do mm -hmm. have a retort, or even if we are aware like that's not true, or if it is, that's my power to hold, it stops us, it humiliates us, it debases us. And that's really what the theme of the power of calling someone a witch or the witch hunt was really all about. It was about control over uh, another person or a group of people. Okay, that's that's interesting. So, speaking of Halloween, do you have a Halloween costume in mind? <laughs> oh, not yet. I'm I'm usually a last minute costumer, and <laughs> um, often um, often myself and my husband will try to theme. Actually, we used to, when our children were quite little, to a family oh. theme, which was adorable. But now that they're all older, they refuse to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they don't want to all dress <laughs> as the same thing. Um, but we've done Star Wars theme and we've done, um, oh my goodness, we've done The Nightmare Before Christmas, where everyone was dressed oh, cool. as different little characters. Um, but they're all teenagers and young adults now. So... I'm on my own to figure it out. Nine times out of ten, I'm usually um, a witch of some sort or a woman that I admire. So I, uh, a couple of years ago, I dressed as Frida, one of the, the great Ooh. artists. Um, and, uh, my goodness, I've, I've gone as, as Marilyn Monroe or Stevie Nicks is another one who... Ooh. I would consider definitely a modern day witch um, with her, her beautiful voice and, and she has uh, this magical power. Um, you'll notice uh, from this video, I know we're looking at each other, that I'm surrounded by instruments. So I yeah. definitely look at music as my magical power. Um, it's a, a great way to connect with people and, and everybody finds something through music, whether whatever genre that might be, it brings them to a, a different place it puts them in a different mood it can mm -hmm. set age for what we have going on like a soundtrack in our life i find that incredibly magical and i find it uh you know in my own mind and i guess now everybody knows i see it as, as a bit <laughs> of power that if i can play music that moves somebody uh where they get excited or happy or cry oh that's that's number one in my books. That's my a check that my magical power is working. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I haven't decided on a Halloween costume yet. Last year, I wanted to go as a Castiel from Supernatural, like the angel. Uh, I don't know if you um, ever watched Supernatural, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. So, uh, of course, um, the pandemic decided, nah, I'm going to ruin Halloween for you too. So, yes. uh, maybe this year. <laughs> <laughs> I did go as Buffy the Vampire Slayer a number of years ago, and that one was a lot of fun. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, my friend, she's a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so uh, maybe she'll go as that this year. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. And what you want are the people around you to, to uh, be the vampires. Go as a team. 
right? <laughs> oh, yes, that would be so cool. <laughs> All right, okay, you've given me actually some cool ideas, so you know, I'll, I'll see. I'll see if my friends are up to it. Um, okay, so back to the topic, uh, and th- there's actually a new story that came out um, in Southern Africa in 2013 that I kind of wanted to get your reaction to. So in Swaziland, apparently, um, they set. Uh, uh, a flying limit for broomsticks. So um, in Swaziland, the broomstick flying to witches, um, they have to fly low. And so they said witches flying broomsticks in Swaziland abro- above 150 meters will be subjected to arrest and a hefty fine of 500,000 rands, um, said the Civil Aviation Authority, according to a report, uh, because apparently broomsticks were considered a, a heavier than air transportation device that is airborne so when that story came out my mom could not stop laughing i also could not stop laughing and uh you being a witch i kind of want to get your reaction to that you seem to can't stop laughing either (laughs) that is that is the most enjoyable thing i've been told all day Um, (laughs) yeah i very practical of them of course we don't want them flying too high you know it's a danger especially if you don't have there's not it's hard to put a seatbelt on a on a broom <laughs> um i don't know it's it's hard it was it done tongue-in-cheek are they serious it's it's a, definitely a head scratcher if it's done I... tongue-in-cheek, fantastic hilarious i love the rule safety for everyone but if it is believed that this is true I don't know. It almost feels, I'm, I feel a little sorry that they aren't aware. I, I know we're good, but unfortunately, I, we're not, I'm not that good anyways. I, I think <laughs> a couple inches off the ground. Oh my um, God. So, I haven't practiced yeah. <laughs> I have no clue if this was uh, like something that was done in cheek, but yeah, like it was a, a, it was a real thing, a real report that was put out by the, the civil aviation authority of Swaziland. So I was like, maybe this was a practical joke. Um, either way it's in the news. It's part of our, it's part of history now. So that's there we amazing. go. And that's like <laughs> started in the mid 1400s with the association of women riding brooms. Um, it, it, which is quite again interesting kind of connected to the brewer and the idea of domestic life for women um cleaning the floor sweeping the floor um but it's the other the other thing that was talked about in this hysteria of witches and brooms and it was also believed that brooms were being used um for sexual pleasure and so a woman Ah. would ride the room um to have a really nice ride and uh or to absorb um whatever potion or poultice she might put on the broomstick um through her her skin as opposed to taking it orally so there was a lot of a lot of perverted minds talking about women and broomsticks um (laughs) and then flying high so it's it's funny the analogy uh, and how it was taken so very literally but um I have yet to meet a witch who can who can fly independently on a broom. But if there's someone out there who can do that, I would love to meet them and learn how. Yeah, I would love to meet them too and just warn them about Swaziland because there's a limit. Fly <laughs> zone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't think about brooms being considered like a, a sexual object. That's that's very weird. Uh, but now and but now I can't get it out of my head. I'm like, oh my god. This is, it's very no, long and pointy. <laughs> a lot of oh the connection with control for women and this, this theme of witches and witchcraft. And it really had to do with control over a woman's anonymity, a control over their, their body. So if they were too pretty, they were accused of being um, luring and temptresses. If they were... Um, vocal with their sexual pleasure they were considered to be evil and leak with the devil um it's it, so it's, it's really interesting and then when they served their purpose or were no longer sexually attractive to men were also considered to be witches because they were useless or worthless in their eyes so it really had to do with this connection of sexuality 
uh, power and control. And, and that's really what it came down to. And if you look at the themes of what's even going on now, like look at Texas um, and mm. the discussions that are happening there with women and their ability to have say over what happens with their own bodies. It's, it's another form of witch hunt. And uh, there have been discussions of that in Canada. Unfortunately, we live in a country where um, there is more mindfulness to that and more awareness. Uh, and again, it can always be better, but uh, I'm very grateful that we are not currently uh, into kind of a handmaid's tale type of situation in our own country. Mm, amen to that. Um, the stories coming out of Texas um, right now is very scary and um, it's, it's getting a bit too real for me. So um praying for Texas and yes. I hope, I hope that, I hope that they can just open their eyes and see, you know, like having agency over women's bodies is, it shouldn't be law. No. In my, yeah, in my opinion. Um, okay. So, um, of course, being a witch, um, as we've mentioned, you know, it comes with some stigma. Um, however, being a witch in the 17th century would be a lot different from being a witch today. So I kind of wanted to ask, like, what kind of stigma have you, have you come across or experienced? Um, Oh, well, I'm also, I am in a small town um, mm -hmm. and a, a town with a lot of churches. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, I know that there are people who are not overly pleased. Although I have to say, like, I'm not someone who goes around going, hey, everyone, I'm a witch. Look at me. I oppose this. I usually keep my opinions of, of religious belief to myself, what people want to believe, what people want to worship, what they do. I, I feel like people, everyone has the right for, to do that and should. And um, so I don't really feel the need to be vocal about anybody else's choice of worship. Uh, as for the theme of which, for me, it's less about religion and more about um, the harnessing of my own power. And we've seen this in different ways, especially over the last 20 years. I, I don't know if you recall, but there was a book that came out and then a series called The Secret um, about harnessing your, your power within and making vision boards. And Oprah talked about it a lot. Um, mm. That would essentially be considered a form of witchcraft because you are uh, projecting what you desire out into the world and then it happens. If that's not a form of magic, I don't know what is. It's just mm. that it was packaged in a way that sounded less threatening um, and not under the guise of, of what we call or consider witchcraft. Um, and there are different avenues that people use. Um, you know, some people make a choice to be very um, focused on on their lives being surrounded by this this form of witchcraft or or worship. Um, meditation, the using of crystals, um, having an altar in their home. Um, and that also borders on on the religious belief of, of Wicca, which is a nature-based belief system um, where there are, sometimes it's polytheistic. Um, and there's, it really varies. It goes into your Norse, your Greek, your Roman gods, uh, your indigenous beliefs. It, it's really a mix of, of nature worship. And uh, you can be a witch and not be Wiccan, um, but a number or majority of Wiccans, and I say majority because I don't want to say all because, again, I'm not well, uh, because I don't practice. I'm not incredibly mm -hmm. well versed in what everybody does, but uh, a majority of Wiccans do witchcraft, but not all witches are Wiccan, if that makes sense. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I, I think I get that. All right. That's yeah. fair. Um, so is the depiction of witchcraft in the media accurate? Wow. Um, a lot of it is fantastical. And we've seen that with uh, movies and TV shows, um, like the movie The Craft, levitating uh, other people, snakes come out of the ground, being able to put a, a charm, or like you see a lot in Harry Potter where they're able to change their appearance. Um, those things are all fantastical. Um, and you can look at it in combination with what we see in social media with all of these TikToks or Instagrams where people put on makeup and look completely different. One would say that that's a charm or a form of magic. Um, and I feel like the witch hunt has shifted from what it used to be and that um, that hunt for the old crone, the magic, the evil um, into there have been different forms of witch hunt um, 
it's just not called that anymore with the way that people with cancel culture or um, jumping on board with with looking at if a, if a woman is distressed or is outspoken that she's hysterical that she's crazy that um, you know it's it's a different form of witch hunt and I feel mm -hmm. like the theme of which has become something magical and spectacular and and kind of sexy um, but the pattern of behavior has shifted to another um, dialogue or not uh, so we're still doing the same behavior of witch hunt we just don't call it a witch hunt anymore and the view that we're or the vision we're shown of witches is something that is spectacular and unobtainable um, of being um, glittery and <laughs> and actually being able to make things poof out of the air um, which is an unrealistic um, ability that's fair. Um, so uh, this just popped into my head. Has have you ever felt that your safety was threatened because you identify as a witch? No, I, I have to say I'm very fortunate in that. Um, I I uh, have not felt I, I've not felt unsafe because I consider myself a witch. I've felt unsafe mm -hmm. walking down the street as a woman, but because I'm a woman, but not because mm -hmm. I'm a witch. Um, okay. And I, I don't know if I would consider those to be one in, in the same. I know that a number of women, doesn't matter where you live, whether it's a small town or Halifax or bigger cities, every one of us at some point has, has taken the longer path or avoided certain places or walked faster or had our keys between our fingers because of feeling unsafe. Um, but I have been fortunate not to have um, a lot of, of aggression thrown at me. Um, where I felt scared. I know that there have been places or people who have iced me out of things or cut me out um, because of not falling in line with the church's beliefs or that idea of what is good and bad, um, which used to bother me. And now I'm, I'm over that. <laughs> I'm too old to care about that. So, <laughs> uh, But I know that there are people out there who do have a hard time or they get a, a lot of of trouble from their even their families their families don't their parents don't understand their grandparents don't understand or they're in communities where they do have to be very mindful of what they say or how much they of themselves they show without fear of persecution or attack all right that well i'm i'm glad you are you know <laughs> okay and safe um but yeah but this kind of like segues into the next question so like you know there's there's a lot of like tumultuous history stigma um depictions about witches um in the media and like how you know fantastical or whatever they are so why are we still fascinated by them oh i i think that that is it's for a number of different reasons well it, it makes good media it makes gr a great movie um mm -hmm. and that is spectacular or magical or mystical um even like looking at the marvel movies with the scarlet witch um with wanda vision and the show that they came that that came from that um we love this idea of something extra of some ability of something endearing and powerful and a little bit scary but knowing that the person is right on the cusp of uh, having control between chaos and calm. Um, it, it, I, I think that that's, that's part of it. We like the fantasy of something magical and uh, the, the theme or, or the archetype of the witch uh, fits very well with that and it, from a marketing uh, perspective. Um, so I think that, that that's a lot of it. It, just, it. it is fascinating to know about these things that are otherwise considered... Um, taboo, you know, some dark mm -hmm. magic, dark magic, something that could possibly be in league with the devil. It seems scary and bad, and and it's also incredibly exciting. So I think that's a lot of our fascination with it. Oh, so basically, witches sell. Yeah, witches sell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair. So, what is one misconception about witches that you want to dispel? Mm -hmm. Well, that witches are not only women, that anyone can be a witch, male or female. It is, um, it, it doesn't associate with gender and that it is, um, it, it's more about empowerment. It's more about 
tapping into our own power and into our own abilities and using that in the way that we see fit. So there comes your good or bad of, of whether we choose to use our energy to be malicious and spiteful to the people around us or whether we use the energy and our abilities to build and grow our community. And I think that's within all of us. Uh, some people just call it their motivation or their drive and other people use the term witch for that. Um, mm. But I, I think that would be the biggest one that it, it has, it's not only women. It's not only, it, it can be any woman of a man of any culture, non-binary people who are, it's, it's people. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a positive, it should be used as a positive connotation and it should be looked at in, in a way of being empowering as opposed to derogatory. All right. Um, is there anything else about witches that I may not have asked that you would like to say? I don't know. We covered a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I do see witch as being um, the new, it's a reclaiming of, of a word and a term and a, a situation that created terror for so many years. So many, like over 80,000 people in Europe, and most of which were women, um, were killed under the guise of a witch hunt. And that's, that's a lot of people over a couple of hundred years. And you still see that fear being used towards women or that, or uh, towards people, but often because of the association of witches are women, it tends to be used towards women. Um, so I think that that's the biggest thing that I would, I would love to see changed or I would hope that would grow and eventually those other words that are used in a derogatory way will be reclaimed for empowerment um, and and that as a society we start to stand up and we're seeing more of that now with with and it happens every 20 years or so where we get really fed up of being um, typecast or to being boxed in and we rise up as a community or a community rises up and speaks out and I and I hope we see more of that to create um, more unity and and um, connectivity within our, our communities and of course we're always going to have people who fight back but often there's more of us than them uh, the, the dilemma is is that we're not loud enough and uh, mm. so be loud <laughs> and uh, whether you call yourself a witch or not um tap into that inner power tap into your abilities and your capabilities and and use that um to build yourself up and to help build up the people around you and that would be i guess the biggest thing i would want people to take away um from all of this wise words um thank you so much for your time i really appreciate this um and yeah thank you to everyone who tuned in to listen to this and i actually have a little witch trivia for you uh apparently the uh, last i say this in quotes the last witch trial in canada that happened was um actually in 2018 in timmins ontario uh, where a woman, uh, Tiffany Butch, a white witch of the North, was charged with pretending to practice witchcraft. And yes, this is an actual crime in Section 365 of the Criminal Code. Um, it originated from a 1735 um, British law and was repealed two days before Tiffany Butch went to trial. Um, she was accused of allegedly, allegedly demanding money in order to lift a curse that had been placed on a client. And uh, when I I spoke to a lawyer about this law he said that um this law was basically used to target con artists and scammers but it was also probably used to um, oppress minority groups um as you mentioned beth um like wiccans and the roma people of canada um mm -hmm. he went on to say that if someone could prove that they were a real witch that would be a valid defense um, because pretending was a, a key element of the offense. Um, I then asked what would be considered hard evidence of being a witch. And he said, and I quote, I suppose if they turned a judge into a newt, that would do it. Uh, so <laughs> okay. So that's, that's one way to go about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So thank you once again, Beth Terry, and uh, shout out to Mitch Broughton of CRR Law for that epic comment. And if you have a topic worth pondering, feel free to email me at spoko at herald.ca or find me on Twitter at sarahpoko10. For the Saltwire Network, I'm Sarah Poko, and I think I'll see if I can find any new spells in case I get into trouble with the law.
Excellent. Thank you. <laughs>